You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Check. Check. Okay. Three, two, one. Welcome into the Atlanta Inquirer podcast. Derek Piper alongside Joey Wagner as we sit here at State Farm Center. The day before a huge marquee matchup, Illinois at home against number 11, Arizona, undefeated Arizona Wildcats who lead the country in points per game, who have blown out essentially everybody that has come into their path, uh, but a big challenge for them to come into a sold-out State Farm Center. We're going to have the stripes going. I know they're putting the shirt ups at, shirts up as we speak, uh, but we just got done with Brad Underwood's press conference as well as player availability, and this is a big one, Joey. Uh, I know that... Brad, <laughs> I asked Brad, do you think at all about down the road this being a, a game that either one can put high on the resume? He he completely said, no, not, not a chance. I'm not even thinking about that. But that is the reality. Uh, the biggest test for Illinois by far so far this season and also uh, the one chance at a, you know, a ranked win in terms of non-conference, uh, the slate right now. So if Illinois is able to get this win, They've won five straight. They should be able to, should be able to cruise through the rest of December uh, until they return to Big Ten play. So uh, what are your thoughts going into this one? And uh, just what do you think about Illinois? Are they up for the task, at least uh, a very tough one in Arizona based on what they've shown? Yeah, let's zoom out really quickly first as we kind of watch this thing all get set up. This is the biggest non-conference game at the State Farm Center since, I mean, is it worth saying Wake Forest, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it could be. I know that Jeremy and I were trying to find the last time they've even played a ranked team in non-conference. It was 2011 against Gonzaga. Uh, I think you'd have just really only a couple, a handful since 2000, and, and that being uh, Wake Forest being the, the one that everyone remembers, number one here. But I, I think it's fair to say that that's probably the biggest one. I remember you know being in the Orange Crush when Harrison Barnes in North Carolina came to town, and that was a, a fairly big one. That wasn't a ranked North Carolina team at the time. They ended up going marching on to the Elite Eight, so that was a good team. Uh, but, yeah, I think that in terms of you know where Arizona is going to be if they do win this game or just kind of as you start to formulate uh, their expectations the rest of the way, they're, they're thought to be at least a second weekend team in the, in the NCAA tournament and a uh, sold-out crowd uh, and knowing Illinois' own expectations, I, I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, and let's be honest, nationally this is a sexier game if Illinois is in the top 25. Uh, I mean, I still think a lot of people who – would observe this, would understand that, like, this is still, for all intents and purposes, probably a top 25 Illinois basketball team, right? I, I don't think that's a stretch or carrying water. I mean, this is still a really good team, but Arizona's really good. I, I mean, they're really, really good. Tommy Lloyd wasted no time in, in turning this thing in. Or I, I mean, there, there was some talent there. He didn't walk into an empty, an empty cupboard, but he's really turned this thing into a force, and I read an article on The Athletic today, Derek, a film room. I don't know if you read it, and they basically called it Gonzaga South, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a lot of philosophical similarities in what they want to do and who they want to be. But if you look at this Illinois team, five in a row, I wrote about it yesterday, but this Kansas City feels like both yesterday and also like two months ago, right? I mean, that that was such a... Kofi Coburn today said they had conversations, player conversations after the Cincinnati game. I, I don't know if I want to call it a one of those hot headline player-only meeting, but, yeah. but th- there was discussions that they had about 
what they are and really what they need to be to turn this around. But I still think it, it does not sound like Andre Corbello is playing tomorrow. Austin Hutcherson is not playing tomorrow. I still think, even though this team has found off- offense and kind of what they want to be, their roles are figuring out, without Andre Corbello, it still feels like a very small margin for error. If Kofi Coburn isn't a force of nature or, or in one of the top three players in college basketball tomorrow, this gets exponentially more difficult to do. And I think you could say that about a lot of games. But right now, where this team is, they need him in the middle to be all world, right? To, to kind of buoy this. And obviously you need the guys around him to hit shots, but it gets a lot more difficult if Arizona sells out and says, not you. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I think they're more equipped to handle that today than they were getting off the plane in Kansas city, but I still think there's a long way to go. Yeah, I agree with that. It does speak to the importance of continuing to shoot the three at a high clip and you've come off three straight games where you've made double digit threes and Kofi's done a good job of passing it out. As we talked a lot about, it's been a a big theme here of their recent success and uh, that's going to have to continue Uh, Arizona to their credit. Not only do they have uh, a lot of size, I mean, they have two seven footers, uh, one and they start uh, and Christian Coloco is very athletic. Uh, they start a four man and Azulis Tubelis, who's six foot eleven, so they can they can really throw a lot of length at you. And they they're number one in the country two point field goal percentage defense, so they defend the paint really well. Uh, at least based on their opponents right now. I know that outside of Michigan, maybe haven't been tested in terms of you know teams that are thought of super highly. But uh, for Hunter Dickinson to only have fourteen points in that game, that says something about the way they. Game, game plan that one, and Brad spoke to the fact of they like to double team, uh, which, again, is going to play into Kofi making the right decisions and uh, guys being able to execute off of that. So uh, I do definitely agree. and it, it popped up at Iowa, really. I know that Illinois made a lot of those three-pointers, but there was a stretch of that game where you're like, you really are noticing not having Curbelo out there to break down the defense, uh, to when you throw it out to the perimeter, have a guard that can make a move to the basket. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, and just the fact that Arizona is playing so fast. Uh, not that you know this has been a Brad Underwood program that has liked to get up and down, but uh, I mean, Iowa's playing for the Bulls now. Curbelo is a blur when the ball's in his hands. not going to be in his hands tomorrow as far as we know. I mean, it wasn't dressed for practice today, so it uh, seems like a fair assumption that he's going to be out. Uh, and if this does be a game that gets up and down and gets going, can can Illinois handle that? It's a lot to put you know on the shoulders of Trent Frazier uh, to be able to handle the ball and and do the right things there. You know how much he's stressing at the defensive end to to be a stopper. So uh, it'll be interesting because I think by far and away this is Illinois' toughest test. Uh, I don't think that Iowa even compares to to what Arizona brings. Uh, and then I think on the flip side you could say. Well, Arizona's only played one true road game. That was at Oregon State. It's going to be entirely different playing an Illinois squad that's as talented as, as they are and what the environment's going to be like tomorrow. So uh, really, you know, two sides of that coin. But uh, back to your original point about flipping things around, it, it was good to hear that, you know, for a team that, number one, is as talented as, as they are, but to have so many veterans, to have so many guys that have been around each other so much, they should be able to say, hey, let's have a meeting, let's fix this, let's get some things resolved and, and get this chemistry right on the, uh, on the back on the right path. And it sounds like they've done that. they played you know, exceptionally better basketball, but uh, that's really going to get tested tomorrow. Yeah, and I, I think when we talk about having a veteran team, it's things like that to have those voices to stand up and say, all right, let's get let, let's knock this out and figure out what's going on here. But I also think it's understanding of when that right time is. Younger teams maybe don't know. 
I mean, they know, but, but I don't know if they know that something's got to be verbally addressed until maybe it's too late at times. So the timing of when they had this conversation, and to be honest, we don't know the scope of it either, right? But Kofi made it sound like it, it was a pretty thorough, I, I suppose, discussion about what to do and, and how to do it and wh- where to go with that. Uh, the, the timing is interesting to me because they... It was a second loss in a row. I mean, you got to address something, and both neither of them were particularly pretty, right? I mean, so I understand after that game, but I just think addressing that in November is something that maybe you look back on in late January, early February, especially when February gets pretty hairy road-wise, and say, you know, that's probably a pretty good, a pretty good time for that. But man, this place so quiet and out there, right? But like, it's going to be really, really loud tomorrow and Arizona not having that road game experience and some of those guys those sophomores in Arizona haven't really experienced right I mean what what this is going to look like tomorrow now how much is that going to play I, I don't know right I have, I have no idea but having it here it, I mean they had it in Arizona two years ago and obviously there's Illinois got if I remember correctly run off the floor yeah. um, in that game it's a different Arizona team but just to, to get this back in here Brad talked about wanting to play these kind of marquee non-conference games. I mean, uh, people are going to come to games regardless, but it's a little less sexy when it's going to be Florida A&M in two weeks or St. Francis, Pennsylvania next week. This is this is one of those games that's going to get a lot of attention. It's on Fox. It doesn't hurt nationally in the conversation that Arizona's kind of a, a media darling right now. Early. I think that's fair to say. I think a lot of people are really interested in what they're doing, and obviously with little little ugly at times with Sean Miller and some of the things that surrounded that program in the past, but I don't know. I, it almost feels a little bit like two years ago what this team was. It would have been better to have that at the State Farm Center. You, you would trust this team a little bit more on the road, but does being at home, does that play into, is that really going to help, or is that, is that just kind of background noise, Derek? It's going to be a lot of noise. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a lot of noise going on in the background. I think it matters a lot. You look at the, even just as recently as last night, you know, putting the number one team in the country in Purdue in an environment. I know it's not the rack anymore. I still want to call it the rack. The Jersey Mike's Arena, whatever, over in Piscataway, and, and the fact of a home court in, environment playing to, you know, a team's advantage where they play their best basketball, their most comfortable, and it, and it provides a test for that opposing team to walk in there and, and try to, you know, remain focused and and just to to be at their very very best. So uh, there's definitely something to be said for that. Same situation. You know, Iowa goes on the road and plays Iowa State and gets blown out of the water. It's it's hard to play on the road in college basketball when because you have these environments and you have teams that are comfortable on their home floor. And you know, as Brad has said, you're missing that last year. It's what makes college basketball college basketball. So I think that this environment can really play towards Illinois' advantage, and, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see how Arizona reacts. I think that's a, a very good point that you made about you look at the sophomores on their team, and that's kind of that's what's interesting, I think, when you look back into the offseason of why maybe we overlooked, or a lot of people overlooked Arizona in the national scope was, well, they had a young team, a lot of freshmen. Uh, it was really a 2020 class that ranked top 10 in the country. Uh, then last year they were young, uh, and then they've really matured and played up to their potential this year. But, of course, no crowds last year. Uh, we saw Illinois in their first chance to play in a true road environment at Marquette, how much that bothered them. Uh, so I think we could see that tomorrow, uh, or at least that would be the, the goal, obviously, for Illinois to be able to get that done. But it is really cool that these games are becoming more prevalent in college basketball. Like we saw 
Villanova go into Pauley Pavilion and UCLA and play a true road game and uh, Texas playing at Gonzaga. There's a handful of them. And uh, as Brad was talking about today, you know, that's it's really good for the fans. It's great for the fans to see these kind of kind of games, uh, games that have this magnitude. And really, when you were drawing it up, you know that Arizona's been a program that's been pretty consistent for the most part throughout the last decade, two decades. Uh, it did take Illinois getting back up there to uh, to match that. But I mean, when you schedule this home and home, and you think about a sold-out crowd, a ranked opponent coming in here, a chance that if Arizona gets this win, assuming Illinois plays up to or even close to the team they're supposed to be uh, going into the year, that would be a huge win on their resume. And then if Illinois beats Arizona, uh, that's a quad one win, assuming Arizona doesn't fall off a cliff and, and continues to play at a high level. So uh, that's what you that's what you want when you schedule these games. And uh, also the fact of it being a non, you know, not a full slate of college football on Saturday on Fox. I was listening to CBS Sports podcast, you know, college basketball podcast, Matt Norlander heading over uh, to the arena. And he said, of all, there's a really nice slate of college basketball tomorrow. He said, of all the games on the slate, the one I'm looking forward to most is Illinois, Arizona. So uh, the national eyes will be on Illinois. And if they're feeling disrespected about not being ranked or just not being the team they thought they were early on, this would be a huge chance to, to reintroduce themselves to the national landscape of college basketball. And let's be honest, 4 o'clock on a Saturday, if you leave a lot of college kids who will populate the crush section <laughs> to their own devices for a Saturday <laughs> afternoon, um, I think it might be a pretty good environment in, in here so. tomorrow if I if I had to guess. Okay, Derek, look, we know Arizona's really, really good. And to be fair, so is Illinois. Yeah. I mean, I, I know there's still maybe some people struggling a little bit to jump on board with Illinois after those two losses. And, and really those first two wins in this five-game streak were not the most encouraging things we've ever seen this program put out there, right? I mean, they barely got through Kansas State, and and then UT Rio Grande Valley, that's been the, the program punching bag for top programs in the country this year. They got they, a pretty penny for it, but yeah, they've been getting beat up. <laughs> Arizona ran that team by 50, by yeah. the way, and, and look, we, we do know that Illinois has not really been whole. They're not going to be whole tomorrow. I think they're understanding how to be as whole as possible without being whole if that makes sense and and kind of what they need to do to survive this this time without Andre Corbello and really to a degree Austin Hutcherson but Arizona's just it's just a different animal man it really is what does Illinois need to do uh to, to get out of this and really kind of put that stamp back on the college landscape yeah, I think that you look at the way Arizona's been playing offensively, they, they lead the country in points per game, uh, 92 a game, and uh, play really, really fast. And some of Illinois' breakdowns defensively have been not been able to stop the ball. So uh, being able to prevent them from getting to the rim, they got some athletic, bigger guards. Uh, obviously, they got size inside as well, but uh, that's going to be really key uh, because. Benedict Matherin for them, their leading scorer, and uh, he's been tremendous here of late. Uh, six foot six wing that's just very athletic and play really well in the open court. Illinois doesn't really have a great matchup for him, whether he's getting checked by Demonte Williams, Jacob Grandison. That one, if I'm Illinois, makes me a little queasy just about you know his ability to out athlete you on the perimeter. Uh, so that's something I'd, I'd be looking for. You got to be able to guard the ball, and it'll be interesting to see if that's. Uh, you know, that was an issue a couple of weeks ago against Rio Grande Valley. Uh, you know, they've done a good job, Rutgers, Iowa. I know Iowa put up a lot of points, but they've shown some strides there at the defensive end. And I think turnovers, too, in a game that can get 
up and down and a team that you know in Arizona that wants to get in transition if you turn it over you're playing right into their strength uh, so I think Illinois taking care of the ball executing out of the double teams that are inevitably going to come Kofi's way and you got to continue to make threes like Alfonso Plummer has been a difference maker obviously when you score 20 plus in five straight games but uh, the way he's re- you know rattling off threes and Jacob Granderson shooting it very well and uh, you look you know playing in your home arena hopefully Trent Frazier is able to do the same thing so if Illinois can make threes they can make good decisions in the half court uh, and then just do whatever you can to slow Arizona down offensively I think those would be the keys that I'd be looking for to be able to come out with this one. And hopefully uh, you're going to play to your crowd, be able to go on some runs, be able to uh, be in a, a favorable situation to where, you know, those those juiced up, uh, soaded up, whatever you want to call, boozed up uh, orange crushers can can get going and have something to cheer about. And that, that would definitely play into um, Illinois being in a, a favorable situation. It's a great point about turnovers. Arizona feasts on them. Illinois has, I mean, that's just, really, really struggled at 18 at Iowa. And frankly, getting out of Iowa with a win, if you look statistically at what they did, a 21-2 to run for Iowa, 18 turnovers, that, that doesn't generally happen on the road. And that was a huge win for Iowa. But, that, I mean, that's that's just like death against Arizona, right? I mean, goodness gracious, you, you can't you can't do that. They're, they're going to hit you hard if you do that. A guy I, need, I think we need to see step up a little bit, and I know you and I had talked about it at Iowa, at least on the offensive end, Felt like DeMonte Williams passed up a couple three pointers at Iowa that really would have, whether they go down or not, just to continue to to kind of stretch that and be a threat out there. And I would like to see him maybe be a little more quick trigger on on saying okay and putting it up there because he has improved so much on that end. I think that changes it a little bit. Now it's not killer because Alfonso Plummer's on just this insane heater right now, and Jacob Grandison really. Outside of just being steady, he's feel pretty good about him shooting that three pointer. He looks, I mean, he looks really, really good in that regard. We know what Trent Frazier can do. You'd like to see Demonte and Coleman be a little, Coleman Hawkins be a little bit more of a, a factor out there. Now, what, what those two do defensively, especially Coleman here in the last couple games, uh, go look at Ron Harper Jr.'s stats last night yeah. and look at what he had against Illinois. That real, I mean, it's the equalizer. But I think for the offense to really. It hit that uh, as high of a ceiling as it can without Andre Curbelo out there. Those guys need to be a little more aggressive in finding and taking that shot. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Demonte was tentative, and it, you have Tommy Lloyd and his staff watching the film. They're not going to say, "Hey, when we go double Kofi, it's going to be with Plummer's guy, or it's going to be with Grandison's guy," because they know, you know, Plummer is has been knocking them down at an insane rate. Grandison's forty nine percent from three on the year. Uh, it's going to be as crazy as it sounds. Maybe take a couple steps off of who was the the number one three-point percentage guy in the country last year in DeMonte because he has shown a little bit of an unwillingness to want to put those up. Now, uh, you could do that and he could burn you uh, and and knock down those threes tomorrow, uh, but you just want to see that aggressiveness, that confidence. I think it's worth mentioning, and I don't know if we were even supposed to necessarily notice, but DeMonte wasn't in a practice uniform today at at practice here on Friday. He, He was out on the court throwing up shots when we were doing interviews with Kofi Coburn and Trent Frazier, but maybe something to, to just kind of plant in the mind of, was he out there as a full go? Was he taking a, uh, a veteran's day off? Or whatever you want to – I don't know. We're speculating there, but I think it is worth a mention. Uh, that's not to say I wouldn't expect him to still play, uh, but that is important. That is important to be able to uh, just have, have no liabilities out there, have no weaknesses uh, in terms of your shot making. I think Coleman – 
did some really nice things offensively. In, in spurts against Iowa, there was kind of the feaster famine where uh, he made a couple nice plays off the dribble and where I think Illinois' guard group out when Curbelo's out is fairly limited in terms of breaking you down off the dribble and, and kind of playmaking in that secondary uh, fashion. Coleman can go to the rim and, and Coleman can make some passes, but he's gonna he's had some moments of turnover. So if he can make threes, if he can provide that, you know, we kick it out and, and Coleman can attack and, and make a play off of that. I think that's important because I think this will be a game. If I think this will be a game you miss Curbelo. Honestly, I, I do think that uh, you will notice that, uh, especially if Arizona does as good of a job on Kofi as they did against Dickinson or somewhere close. Look, I thought they missed Curbelo against Iowa. I mean, they had no answer when Iowa went to that press. I mean, three ten seconds. I'm surprised Brad didn't pull all of his hair out on the floor right there. I mean, that is that's like kind of hard to do in, in high level college yeah. basketball to so have that. And I think you did miss Curbelo there. All right, Derek, wrap this up. This is huge, dude. Like, I don't think that this game for either team a loss isn't going to sink everything, right? But it can mean so much, and it just feels like. It's really not a very fun non-conference, right, right for yeah. Illinois moving forward. I know people are going to be excited about bragging rights, especially knowing where Mizzou is at right now this season. But there's just a lot of, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of hype to this game, but I also feel like, do you, does everybody know this game is happening type? Like, <laughs> this is really exciting. It's I'm glad, as you mentioned earlier, to see college basketball. I wouldn't say going all in on going back in this direction, but being a little more receptive to the ideas of these of these home and home. I'm glad it didn't happen last year. I mean, this just wouldn't have been right. I mean, Illinois probably would have won last year, um, maybe even by like, 10 points or so, mm-hmm. but it just wouldn't have felt right. We're looking at all these chairs pulled out last year. They were like pushed back up against the wall. It just that's not as exciting. And this is really exciting. And, and what what would a win for Illinois? I know it's in, in early December here, but but what does that does that mean to me? I think it solidifies that throw those two games out as much as you can. There's still stuff that you have to look at and say that happened. That was a part of the season, but I think this really turns the page from from the better part of those November months or that November month rather. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that in terms of how the committee is going to look at your resume uh, in terms of your you know, non-conference. If you look at Marquette, and you're not going to get a complete pass for that game, even though Kofi wasn't there. You, you will get maybe a, a half halfway pass or whatever you, you want to call it. But uh, to, to lose that one, to lose to Cincinnati, I mean, obviously in blowout fashion, if you can bounce back and beat one of the better teams in the country, get a quad one win, uh, I think that that would go a long way into saying, you know, you did what you could to make up for it. And uh, as you accurately mentioned with your non-conference in general, I mean, you, some of it's to no fault of your own. You drew Notre Dame uh, as a home in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And that was probably projecting that Kofi was going to move forward, right? And that's not a very sexy matchup with that. I mean, that's probably a pretty even matchup, right, with, with those two. So I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's a great point. I mean, that was, uh, you know, ESPN had already aligned those before Kofi made uh, ultimately his decision. So, uh, But getting a team like that where you're not going to say that's a great win on your resume unless Notre Dame surprises people, uh, that, that's not a very good, good team. You thought you are going to play Arkansas ultimately in the Hall of Fame Classic, not beating Cincinnati, didn't allow you to get there. You haven't had any big-time matchups outside of this one in your non-conference. And it's not like you're, you're not going to be avoided, uh, afforded the opportunity 
in Big Ten play to rack up quad one wins and, and do all that kind of deal. You will, but uh, I just think that it is important to look back on non-conference and say you got a big win you know, on your belt that, that really, really matters. So, And really just the way you're going to trend the rest of this year into January, you would imagine if you get this win, it would be six in a row. You would be 2-0 and in the Big Ten. You'd have a game up on Purdue in that sense. You'd be able to beat an Arizona team that really – uh, is is very good and is going to you know look on a resume and then you should be able to steamroll through the Bragging Rights game even if that is a rivalry game that gets messy and just I don't think it will I, I think you should be able to to you know overpower them uh, and then face a couple of cupcakes start the Big Ten play again up in January with some favorable matchups when you're going to face Minnesota Nebraska and Maryland here on your home floor to start that thing off you could just really gain a lot of momentum and start to feel really really good again be ranked again and kind of be back towards where you thought you would be and uh, hopefully I know that Brad said Curbelo is getting better uh, that you would be able to have him on the floor maybe it is early January whatever it is uh, ultimately but uh, I think this is a, a really big deal. I, I think it would mean a lot for the program when you're looking back later in the season and just kind of about the way you're feeling about being a one of the top contenders in college basketball. You could prove that tomorrow. And I think a win you get a lot of. I know fans are so worried about this. You get a lot of national people are tweeting, people are writing stories, people are talking heads on TVs. And, and for a while that just wasn't happening for Illinois. Yeah. I know now it's just kind of like, okay, if whatever, it's, it's Saturday and that's just how it's going to be. But to get back to that level is big. All right, Derek, it'll be a fun one tomorrow, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Make sure to tune in to Illini Inquirer for all of our coverage. Until next time, we will talk to you. I'm sure we'll have a post-game <laughs> pod. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.